God protects babies and fools. Good morning, good evening, and good night. Whatever time of day you're listening to this, welcome to What Lies in the Dark. I'm Jay Yvonne. All your life, you've been taught that the monsters you fear are under your bed and they're hiding in your closet. As you grow older, you find out that monsters aren't real. But are they? They don't hide or go boo in the night. They look just like us they even live next door they're our friends they're our family they're our neighbors and sometimes they're even our spouses this isn't to scare you it's to keep you vigilant keep your eyes open it's to debunk the idea that monsters just simply are not real Statistics say about 50% of victims know their attackers. That means 50% of the time, you shouldn't fear the unknown monsters in the dark. You must be careful of the monsters you already know. Maybe you have to know the darkness before you can appreciate the light. If you're anything like me, you love true crime. You're simply addicted to trying to figure out the who, what, when, where, and the why the psychology of it all. You sit on the edge of your seat trying to piece the puzzle together before the end of the story. So allow me every week to tell you a true crime story. Come feed your true crime addiction with me. Grab your coffee, midday pick-me-up, wine, adult beverage, or whatever you're into. And let's get into this week's story. Warning, some listeners may find the episode just beyond this warning hard to listen to, upsetting, and disturbing. The episode may contain graphic content, triggering and or sensitive material, explicit language, and adult themes. These are true events. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is Monday, and around here, we know what Mondays means. If you don't know what Monday means, that means you are new. So, hey, if you're new, Mondays around here means that a new true crime episode is dropping. So, join the family, join the team, become a true crime junkie. Saying hey to all of my not so newbies, whether you've been here since the beginning or you've been here since last week's episode i just want to say welcome back 
Um, thank you so much for being a part of the WLITD family. Don't forget to subscribe and, of course, share the podcast. If you'd like to stay connected, follow the Instagram at WLITD underscore podcast. Please don't tell me that it is behind because it is behind. I have not uploaded the last three cases because my original Instagram got hacked and I was just kind of fearful that the podcast Instagram would get hacked. But I'm going to, um, since I've got my account back, I'm going to sometime this week upload all of the pictures for the last three episodes, this one included. Um, so again, follow the Instagram at WLITD underscore podcast. And if you'd like to send me a case suggestion, you can email me at WLITD podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's WLITD podcast at gmail.com. I am not going to talk anymore about the um, house cleaning stuff we're gonna get into today's episode all right you ready because i'm ready fetal abduction is usually perpetrated by a woman after organized planning the abductor may befriend the pregnant woman and they're so determined to impersonate a pregnant mother that they may use weight gain and or a prosthesis to fake a pregnancy cut themselves internally to make it look like they have been they have given birth this woman may also take the neonative to the hospital the national center for missing and exploited children's spokesperson stated in 2007 many times the abductor fakes a pregnancy and when it's time to deliver the baby most abduct someone else's child Criminal motives include delusions of fulfilling a partner relationship, childbearing, and childbirth. What does that mean? That means that the definition of fetal abduction is someone who is so determined to have a baby, whether they can't have a baby or their baby has passed, they are so determined to have a baby to fulfill a relationship with their partner or sometimes to bring them closer to their partner and or their family members that they get um, delusional is probably not the right word, but they get delusional and they decide that the best way to fulfill what their hopes and dreams are and their motives is to fulfill someone else's baby. Why am I telling you about fetal abduction? Because that's what today's episode is about. In 2009, Tika Adams was living on the streets of Washington. She said she was very rebellious and she created her own rules and she didn't want to live by anyone else's. She decided that she needed to do something to turn her life around, so she ended up moving into a homeless shelter. She met a man named PJ and the two fall in love and eventually get married. At about seven and a half months, Tika, with her first child began receiving phone calls from an unknown number. When she answers, she's greeted by a woman who states her name is Stephanie. Stephanie says that she's a social worker who aids homeless women who are pregnant and have low incomes. She says that her company provides the essentials to women in need who cannot afford it on their own. Tika is told that she has um almost new, gently used baby clothes and other things that she can just give to Tika. The only catch is Tika would have to come to the warehouse in order to pick these things up. So Tika's like, I, I need these things that Stephanie's offering. Like, I need them. I'm living in a homeless shelter. I don't have much income or income at all. I am, 
you know, I'm just, I need it. I'm in need. So she felt very lucky to have come across someone who cared enough to help her and her unborn baby. She's excited that this is the break that she believes and she feels that she needs. So the two agreed to meet to obtain these items. She gets off the phone with Stephanie and she tells her husband what happened. And PJ is skeptical, but he allows Tika's joy to overtake him and she tells him not to worry. So Tika meets up with Stephanie and gets into her car. Stephanie begins driving to the warehouse. The two start chatting about Tika and her life, and she tells Stephanie that she used to live on the streets, but now she's in the shelter. She tells her about meeting PJ and the two getting pregnant, and she also tells her about her worries about not being able to provide for her baby. And she says that this moment, this opportunity, Stephanie, me meeting you is such a blessing. Tika is super excited to be a mother, and she finally feels like things are going right. Not sure of how, but the drive to the warehouse turns into a drive to Stephanie's apartment. Stephanie leads Tika into her home, sits her down, and turns on the TV to play a movie. Tika is thinking, what's what's going on? But she just, her solution, her mind frame, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to chalk it up to this woman is a weirdo. She's just a little off, just a little crazy. And I'm just going to have to deal with her weirdo ways in order to obtain the baby stuff and be on my way. So while sitting there, she gets a call from PJ. And he asks where she is and how things are going. Tika's like, don't worry, everything's fine. Because she later recounts that she did this because she has no idea where she is to even explain to him where she is. But PJ's skepticism is beginning to wear off on her and she starts to become very leery. The movie that was on goes off and Stephanie goes to put another one on. Out of nowhere, a blanket is tossed over Tika's head and the attack begins. She is punched multiple times. She stands and places her hands up in an attempt to defend herself. There's blood everywhere. She's just so discombobulated and confused. Tika fights. She, she, she tries to fight as much as she can. Her fight or flight kicks in and she decides it's her best bet to run in her current condition. She knows that she has to get out of this situation and fast. The door is locked with a chain, a bolt, and another lock. And she can't seem to get them undone before Stephanie comes and overpowers her. The two women begin wrestling and Tika is trying with all her might, with everything in her. She is trying to get control of the situation. But she's seven and a half months pregnant. She's tired. She's sore. She's suffering from the head injuries from the previous beating. There's blood everywhere. Stephanie is just like, this fight is so not fair. So she's trying to get her bearings. She's trying to figure out what she can do when Stephanie picks up an iron fire poker. She manages to repeatedly hit her in the head some more with this poker. Stephanie manages to strike Tika in the head with the poker over 40 times. And at some point, Tika passes out. She is then tied up 
and gagged. When she comes to, she is being dragged by her ankles, her feet, down the hall and into the kitchen. As she's sitting there again trying to get her bearings, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Like, you've gotten beaten. You're probably extremely tired. You've gotten hit with something. You're bleeding. You probably have a headache. You're seven and a half months pregnant. You're trying to figure out what the heck your next move is. Because I know in her head, she's like, I got to save me and I got to save this baby. And so as she's trying to, to figure all that out, to come to terms with everything, she hears Stephanie opening and closing things like opening drawers and cabinets and she appears or seems to be looking for something. Stephanie then kneels down next to her and Tika cries once she is told what's about to happen. Tika feels a sharp pain in her side. Stephanie goes back to looking for something and Tika can hear her praying, Lord, forgive me. I've sinned. Forgive me. Stephanie takes Tika's phone and Tika starts planning what she can do and or say to get out of this situation alive. Tika remembers that on the car ride over there, Stephanie talked to her about a family. She's like, I know this woman has kids. so. Tika says, I don't believe in breaking up families, so I won't say a word. Stephanie begins pacing the floor and Tika finds hope. She thinks that, okay, well, because she didn't, she didn't immediately kill me. She's not trying to hurt me right now. She's thinking. She's processing what I said. She believes that she's making a difference. After this, Stephanie begins frantically panicking. After this, Stephanie begins frantically panicking about her son coming home. He's a teenager. He's just getting out of school. I don't have much time. He will be here. She fears that he'll see the bloody mess and the injured woman. So she starts cleaning the walls and the floors, trying to make it seem like nothing has gone on in here. Stephanie then orders Tika to move to another room so she can hide the badly injured and bleeding woman. But Tika's too weak to go anywhere. She's like, <laughs> I mean, she doesn't laugh. I'm sure she has no strength and no energy to piss this woman off anymore or to make her any more crazy. But she's too weak. She knows that she's not going to be able to stand up to go anywhere. So Stephanie carries her and places her into a bedroom with a mattress on the floor. Tika says that the first night, movies played on repeat. But she didn't sleep because she was in such fear for what would happen next. She said she stayed awake that entire night and just watched Stephanie. The third night, Stephanie enters the room carrying a bowl of ice with a rag in it. Stephanie also has a rag draped over her shoulder, six other towels, two box cutters, and a knife. Tika immediately knows that, like, that that scenario, that concoction, how that all adds, I don't know what you're going to do with this stuff, but I'm just, I'm immediately worried. She's like, I know something is not right and it's very, very wrong. Stephanie duct, tape Stephanie duct tapes Tika so she can no longer see what's about to happen. 
Stephanie tortures Tika using various knives and even the box cutter to slowly cut Tika's stomach, trying to abduct her unborn baby. Tika is shaking and she's sweating because of how bad the pain is. And even at some point, she goes into shock and says she can't even feel anything anymore. Stephanie can't find the baby. She's having such bad luck with locating the fetus that she eventually decides to just give up. She leaves Tika in her current state, suffering and bleeding from the botched cesarean. She doesn't try to help her wounds. She doesn't try to patch her up. She doesn't try to give her something for the bleeding or the pain. She just leaves her there. I mean, literally, the woman has no medications during, before, or after this entire ordeal. She's fearful. She knows she's just not going to be able to get up and leave. And she knows that Stephanie is not going to just be like, hey, I couldn't find what I was looking for, so have at it. Because she knows the woman's name, she knows where the woman lives, and she knows what she looks like. Tika passes out from the blood loss. When she wakes, Stephanie is laying in front of the door asleep. She tries to roll over, but her wedding ring hits the metal bowl sitting on the bed. And she thinks this noise is going to wake up Stephanie and that everything's blown and it's over with. But luckily, Stephanie doesn't move. She is sleeping so soundly. Tika stands and prays, please just give me the strength. And she's able to stand up. She steps over Stephanie's body, dripping blood on her, but somehow Stephanie still does not wake. And she walks out of the door and heads to the front door. Struggling, she makes it to the hallway, but as she's walking, all of that cutting and, and, and digging and all of that leaves her exposed. And all of a sudden, she feels what's supposed to be inside come out luckily not the baby but her insides her intestines are exposed she gets to the front door unlocks all three locks and makes it out of the apartment frantically she begins trying different neighbors but no one's answering no one seems to care to come to the door or no one seems to be home to come to the door they're um on top of some stairs in these apartments so out Outside, there's still some stairs she has to go to, and she makes it to the bottom of these steps, only to come face-to-face -face with Stephanie. Stephanie then begins to try and drag her back into the home. Luckily, a neighbor hears Tika screaming at the top of her lungs and peeks his head out of the door to come to her aid. When he makes it to where Stephanie is, um, when he makes it to where Stephanie and Tika are, Stephanie tries to convince him that she's just trying to help Tika. She's like, I'm a social worker. I have, you know, supplies in my home. I help underprivileged, homeless, pregnant women. And this one's just really going crazy. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong, but she's just crazy. I'm just trying to help her. And Tika insists, this woman is trying to kill me. 
And this man is just looking at them. I don't know what he's thinking, what he's processing here, but he's just looking at them like, uh, okay. I don't know what's going on. Tika is wearing a dark blue shirt and she realizes that this story isn't going to hold up unless she shows him what's under her dark blue shirt. And since it's dark blue, he doesn't see her bleeding out profusely. So she lifts her shirt up to expose the bleeding, her stomach, and her organs hanging out. The man runs back to his apartment and immediately calls the police. Stephanie looks at Tika and then takes off. The paramedics, the police, they all get to the apartment. Tika is transported to the hospital where she receives an emergency C-section. There, she welcomes a healthy baby girl that she names Miracle Sky. And when asked how Miracle became to be a miracle, she is told that Miracle had hidden at the very top of her mother's womb, possibly sensing the danger or the trauma. Who knows? But somehow, Miracle knew what to do. Even as an unborn baby, she knew, you're not going to get me. So Tika suffers a severe cut to her bladder and she's she's has, having to deal with her stomach muscles that have been slashed. She recalls not being able to walk, but really wanting to see her baby girl. She's so determined to get to her that she begins the work quickly, building up her muscles in her stomach so that she can walk and she can get to her baby. Once Tika's story gets to the local news, the support is overwhelming. She's receiving gifts and gift cards and baby stuff and all kinds of things. Just the outpouring of love and support from the community is so much. And at this point, Tika has everything that she needs. And she doesn't need to rely on sketchy social workers. So... Stephanie surrenders and she's arrested. It said that she called on herself and they pick her up. She's arrested. And it turns out her name isn't really Stephanie. <gasps> Shocker, right? No, not really. Her name is Veronica. About a month after the failed abduction, she appears in court. And she states that Tika agreed to sell her baby for $5,000. This seriously upsets Tika. She's like, I fought so hard during this whole ordeal. I have so many cuts and scars and bruises and trauma from this situation. I know you didn't stand up here and try to deflam my name, deflam, deflammatory. Didn't you even give these deflammatory comments on my name and my motherhood by saying I wanted to sell you my baby? So she lunges at Veronica while they're in the courtroom. And has to be escorted out. Like she goes on an interview and she's like, yeah, I tried to get her. Like I, I wanted her to know that I was coming for her. Tika didn't even have to be in the hearing. She didn't have to testify or anything. But she went because she wanted to show Veronica that she was stronger than Veronica assumed she was. So she goes, her and Baby Miracle, they go to the hearing to basically spit in not literally but figuratively spit in veronica's face and say what you thought was supposed to harm us hurt us kill us did not do that look at us both thriving and healthy while you're standing trial almost a year later veronica pleads guilty to first degree assault and she's given a 25 year sentence 
But guess what, guys? 2022. This, this, this woman, because I don't even know what to call her. This creature walking the earth is up for parole this year. It doesn't say when, if she's already eligible, if they've already gone through the process and she is, you know, getting her walking papers now or what. But she is eligible for parole this year. This woman who decided that whatever her reasoning is, whatever her cause was, that she needed to steal somebody else's baby. Yeah. Brutally cut and beat this woman, held her for four days, gets 25 years on a plea bargain for first degree assault, and she's eligible for parole. I know, I know everybody ain't supposed to be in there for forever. I know that we can't hold everybody forever. Jails are overpopulated. Prisons are overpopulated. Um, I get that. I totally understand that. But... Um, yeah, I don't think that sentence fit the crime at all. And the fact that this woman is eligible for parole, as I report this story, to be able to, you know, possibly do it again or do something else. I know that people can be reformed. I'm not saying that people can't be reformed, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all sound off and let me know what you think. But anyways... Tika has overcame homelessness. She shares a home with her boyfriend and her children. She states that she is stronger because of everything that she has been through in her life. Tika is quoted saying, I survived because I was coming to a point in my life where I started to love myself and respect myself and cherish life. I survived because of God and my support system. I know a lot of people love me, and I know that God loves me. And like they say, God looks after babies and fools. And I had a baby, and I was a fool. And I think that is beautiful that we have a survivor story. And Tika isn't the only one who survived here. Her baby survived. Um, sometimes when when dealing with um, fetal abductions, um, sometimes the reason why they don't, um, the person doesn't end up getting the baby is because they don't know what they're doing. Obviously, Stephanie didn't, Veronica didn't know what she was doing. Um, but they don't know what they're doing because they don't have any training. And so they end up, um, sometimes killing the baby and even the mother. And so the fact that both of them got out of this, um, you know, and are able to live healthy, thriving lives is a blessing and it's beautiful. Um, so shout outs to the fight and the flight in Tika to save not only herself, but her baby girl miracle. Um, I'm trying to think what advice I don't really, I didn't really look up the statistics like I normally do. So I don't have statistics on that. Um, and I guess the only advice that I have um, for, for stuff like this is, um, I guess start traveling in twos, especially if you're pregnant, make sure that like someone knows where you are at all time, have your location on, um, maybe travel with twos. If the person seems sketch, um, and they don't want you to come with somebody else, it's probably a red flag. Um, if you trust them enough to go with them, make sure it's out in public. 
um, you know, they are not going to an apartment or something that seems, you know, very closed off, um, drive yourself or get there by yourself. Um, that way maybe you can have somebody follow you and you tell them, Hey, if I don't come out of here in 30 minutes, like you need to come get me or something like set up safety protocols at all times, whether you're pregnant or not set, set up safety protocols, but more than anything, when you're pregnant, please know that you are a target. Um, because you don't have the same, or you're not seen to have the same fight as someone who is not pregnant. Um, and they know that you're going to beg and plead for your life and your baby's life. And most of the time that means they can, they can try to bargain with you for certain things. So, um, set up safety protocols. Don't go anywhere sketch. Trust your gut feeling. Have someone know where you are at all times and um watch out at, at all times because we want all mothers and all children all people period but for this story specifically all mothers and all children to go home safely and live safe and happy healthy lives All right, so that's the end of this story. Um, we have a survivor story. Yay! I like survivor stories. I hate that they happen, um, but I love survivor stories because I feel like they raise awareness for one. I love survivor stories because those people get to go home to their families. I know that they're scarred and they're bruised and they have trauma, but they get to go home to their families, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And most of the time with survivor stories, something changes. A law is passed. Um the the state or law enforcement something something changes something shifts i hate that something has to happen in order for you know things like that to come about but i love survivor stories because um whether the survivor is the victim or their families normally they get together and start a fundraiser a nonprofit um they raise awareness or they start making changes within the law to keep things from like this from happening and so i love this story um i feel like we ended on a really good positive note i feel like some of these stories have not been good and positive and they've been weighing on me just a little bit every week and so i i picked this story uh, I know it's a little short, but I picked this story because I, I it was just beautiful and it warmed my heart that they both got out of there safely and their attacker um, sir, is serving time and hopefully, hopefully, she does not make parole. So thank you so much for taking the time to let me tell you this story. Big shout outs to Tika and Miracle for surviving and their families for, for being there, being supportive and giving Tika the strength to survive that. Um, keep that family in your thoughts and in your prayers if you're a praying person um, because they're going to suffer, the family's going to suffer and um, Tika is going to suffer. Um, for probably forever with the scars of everything that happens um that kind of hurt does not go away it doesn't say whether she has like physical scars or if she has any health conditions after the whole ordeal but i'm sure even just the mental trauma is going to just going to weigh really heavy on her for a really long time Remember to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell their friend about the little podcast uploading a new episode every Monday. I'm going to get on top of this, but if you'd like to see the victims, the accused, 
um follow the show's instagram at w-l-i-t-d underscore podcast and email me case suggestions and shout outs and other things at w-l-i-t-d podcast at gmail.com all right everyone end of episode so i'm outie remember don't just check up on people but be there for them be present love on one another be kind to one another support one another be a helping hand to one another and watch out for what lies in the dark because as always i don't want to report on you your loved ones or anyone around you i'll see you next week for another episode to help feed your true crime addiction bye